Hey everybody, welcome back this week as we walk through the Word together. And as we walk out this truth, we discover that life is produced in us and also in other people. We are walking with one another, growing together to see the life of Christ continue to manifest and birth in us and then to see it spread outside of the walls of our houses and our church building. I want you guys, before we start, first, would you ask the Lord to speak to you now? I don't know if, if you've come here for any amount of weeks and you actually pray that prayer and if you leave this place, you're like, bro, Jay, or whoever communicate, that was amazing. I just want you to like give credit where credit is due. Like if you're asking the Holy Spirit to speak to you and you're like getting like live words for maybe the first time in your life and it's not just hitting your brain, but it's like touching your heart, I encourage you just to realize that he hears your prayers, he's responding. The king is alive and he's here with us. And so I encourage you, would you ask him to talk to you in the way that you need to be spoken to right now? What do you need to hear? Just tell him, just express your heart to him. I believe he wants to meet you right where you are. I believe he's walking among us. <laughs> he is walking among us. So Father, as you're walking among us, I just, I just pray that you would bring to mind the ways in which we need to call out to your name from among the crowd, maybe. Living wounded, living blinded, living hurt. But as you pass by, Lord, I pray for boldness in this room to call out to your name, to bring healing, to bring salvation, to bring deliverance, to meet us right where we are, God, but not to leave us where we are, to take us where we would never go apart from you. Ooh. Pray that in Jesus' name, amen. I want you to think back uh, in your life, and I'm, this might be like hard to do, but like, and it might not be good, I don't know. Think back to one of the hardest moments of your life. Just think, think back, that hard season. Anybody ever have a hard season? Gone through hard seasons, man. <laughs> gone through some hard ones. I don't wanna go back to them. You're like, Jay, don't make me pull that up. You know, Go as far as you wanna go, but just think about that. And I, I want you to think about how it affected every area of your life. You remember like going to sleep? Well, I should say trying to go to sleep, anybody? <laughs> fearful maybe if this is your thing, maybe you got hurt by somebody, but like fearful you're gonna see those people somewhere. Or when you do see them, you're like, oh, that gut feeling like, I don't wanna punch you or I wanna run from you, you know? Hard seasons. They affect every aspect of our life. And today I want to talk about, I want to just, I just want to get a clear picture of who Jesus is today. As I believe like Jesus is facing on this day represents like Palm Sunday, the day that Jesus like decides to head down to Jerusalem to declare basically like, I'm going to tell everybody who I am. I'm, I'm actually the Messiah, the King from heaven. <laughs> But knowing that the cross is ahead of him, he like knows it. I'm gonna talk about how he knows it here in a second. But facing like the worst thing that could ever happen to him, like death on a cross, crucifixion, but not just crucifixion, like a brutal beating before that, starvation in a colder season, bare naked, he's about to lose his like name in front of everybody. He's going to be really shamed in front of everybody. He's going to go through all that and he's going to feel all the pain of that. And then I want to look at the, the walk 
that this man takes knowing that the worst thing is right ahead of him. And I don't know about you, but when I thought about like the worst moment that when I was going through the most challenging season, like it affected every area of my life. And I want us to see the real picture of who Jesus really is and how faithful he really truly is. And I believe it's gonna give us a clear picture of maybe who we are in light of who he is and give us a deeper appreciation for what he's done and who he is. Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, it's impossible to please God for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and he rewards those who seek him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And I wanna, I wanna look at the person who had perfect faith in the Father God as he walks toward the cross this is the walk that he takes, and I just want to take us down a road. And I pray that you get vivid color as we walk this road together. You all ready? Oh, come on, Otho. My man, thank you. Thank you. Luke 18, I'm gonna start Luke 18, and I'm gonna bounce all around the gospels because I want to give us a good picture of like this walk as it pertains to like all the gospels pretty much. So in Luke 18, Verses 31 through 34, Jesus took the 12 aside and he says, see, we're going up to Jerusalem and everything that's written about the son of man by the prophets will be accomplished for he will be delivered over to the Gentiles. He will be mocked and shamefully treated, spit upon and after flogging him, which is a brutal beating. And so you, if you don't know like flogging, if you remain silent about like what you've been accused of, the flogging gets worse and worse and worse. So like the idea that he was silent before his accusers because there's actually nothing wrong with him means the beatings got worse and worse and worse according to Roman custom. So after flogging him, they will kill him, Jesus said. And on the third day, he will rise. But they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them. They did not grasp what was said. Then he begins the journey down the road to Jerusalem. This is very interesting because up until this point, if you've remembered, if, you're any, if you've read through the scripture at all, all the stories up to this point, Jesus has told everybody who he healed, don't tell who I am. Have you ever wondered like, why the heck did Jesus do that? Like, why not just come out and be like, yo, I'm the king, I'm from heaven, I do this thing because I'm God in the flesh, you know? Why would he just do it? But up until this point, he hadn't done it. John 6, 15 is one of those. It says, when Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force. Remember, they were gonna take Jesus by force and usher him into being the king. They're like, he's here. He departed into the mountains himself alone. That's John 6, 15. Remember when Jesus cleansed the leper in Matthew 8, he told him to tell nobody, but go and show yourself to the priest. In Matthew 16, he charged his disciples to tell no man that he was the Messiah. Remember when James, John, and Peter went up to the mountain of transfiguration? When Jesus like glows like light, he's like, don't tell anybody what just happened. In Mark's gospel, chapter seven, when he healed the man that was deaf and had speech impediment, he commanded him to go tell nobody. In Mark eight, when Jesus healed the blind man, again, he told him to tell nobody. When Jesus raised the daughter of Jairus from the dead, he's he told them not to tell what was being done. 
Remember, at one point, his brother suggested that Jesus go public and tell everybody, why don't you just tell everybody who you are? He said, now is not my time. John 7, 3, therefore said unto him, depart hence and go into Judea, that thy disciples also may see the works that thou doest. Why is this like so wild? Because here's what's clicking in Jesus' head. And I never knew this. I don't know about y'all, but I never knew this. In Daniel chapter 9, when it says, when Jesus says like, look, all the prophets are about to be fulfilled. In Daniel chapter 9, it actually says that once the temple is declared that it's going to be rebuilt, 69 weeks, which is seven-year cycles, the Messiah is going to show up. That is actually in Daniel chapter 9. Now, we know when the temple was declared to be rebuilt because of the book of Nehemiah. In the book of Nehemiah, Artaxerxes actually made a declaration that that Israel's temple was going to be rebuilt. And when that declaration happened, which is we've got that in the book of Nehemiah, 69 weeks, which is seven-year cycle, was, let me look at this, 173,880 days until that moment. That date from when the temple was declared that was going to be rebuilt, 170-something thousand days later is April 6, 32 AD. So how does Jesus know today's the day? The book said it. So what does he say? Now's the moment. It's in your Bibles. (laughs) What's the odds of that? Jesus is king. Jesus is alive. I think he wants to do something really special today. Told his disciples, go get the donkey. (laughs) A donkey. Because he knew what the prophet said. Zephaniah, Isaiah. Behold your king, lowly and gentle, riding on a donkey. (laughs) But let's go back. After he tells his disciples, this is what's about to happen to me, they don't understand. They don't get it. You know what the next conversation is? So wild, man. James and John come up to Jesus and they're like, hey, look. Like, you're about to take the throne. You're going to be the king. And when you get there, we want to be real important, and we want to sit on your right hand. Like, would you give us the seat of honor? (laughs) Think about this, y'all. On your worst day, you've told everybody what's happening to you, and one of your closest friends comes up to you and like, hey, I know you're going through a rough patch, but you know what? Like, would, would you just make this thing about me for a moment? Right? In your hard moments, did you ever have that friend to be like, man, let me just tell you what to do, you know what I mean? I will smack you. <laughs> you don't feel what I feel. You know what I mean? We get it. We all laugh because we've all been there. But like, think about this, like that, that moment, like if you can feel like the feelings rise because that happened to you, it happened to Jesus too. But check out who Jesus is. He's so crazy. He's not like my natural person at all. Because when the 10 other disciples heard what, this is Mark chapter 10, when the 10 other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. They were mad. Now, 
now it starts like a riot within the friend group, you know? Just so much drama. Anybody just sick of drama? No, we love it. We, we like watching that, don't we, Shan? Love is blind, all that stuff. We love that stuff. Come on. I love the drama. We, we love drama. They've loved drama from the beginning. They were indignant. So Jesus called them together. Look at this. He's like, all right, I've just told you I'm about to be crucified. He calls them together. Okay, guys, huddle up. You know that the rulers in this world lorded over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. Anybody like control in the room? Sometimes I like control. I like to maneuver and control the circumstances of my life the way I think they should go. Jesus had every bit of temptation to do that, but he chooses right here. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others, and listen to this, to give his life as a ransom for many. Can you imagine? Friend group drama. Guys, let me tell you something. I didn't come here to be served. That means I expect nothing from you. What if we went to work expecting nothing from anyone there but to give something to there? What if we went home after work? I expect to get nothing from my wife today. I just want to give her everything today. Most of the time when we get disappointed is because we had an improper expectation of others around us. If I expect nothing from you, I'll never be disappointed because you know why I'm here? Not to get from you. I'm going to give something to you. I don't know. I need nothing from y'all. So Jesus, like, here's the key. It's like a secret. Like, Jesus lives this perfectly. I don't want to shame you at all. Like, I don't want to, like, put this out there like, I do that every time. Heck no. (laughs) Absolutely not. A lot of time I would like a lot from you guys. I want the applause. I want the praise. I want the bat attaboy. Like, I do. Natural. Not Jesus. So then Jesus continues the road, walk down through Jericho, a city that many of us have heard of. And I got a picture of Jericho. I think it was a little bit different though, back in those days, maybe a couple less power lines through there. But like, this is a true road through Jericho. It's like the highway. And so here's what I want you to picture. Like along the road through Jericho, There's crowds of people that know about Jesus. Like everybody's excited because like this guy's created an uproar. Like this street would have been filled with people and it got really filled with people. And a blind man named Bartimaeus actually heard that this Jesus was coming down the street in Mark chapter 10, verse 51. This blind man named Bartimaeus begins to scream out, son of David, Jesus, have mercy upon me. And that word, son of David, is the declaration that Jesus was the Messiah. So this blind man who sees nothing is declaring in front of everybody, this is the true Messiah, the king to come. Like, this is who he is. Have mercy on me. The crowd's trying to shut him up. Hey, man, this ain't your time. Be quiet. Think about this now. 
the worst thing that you can imagine, that hard place in your life facing Jesus, here's this guy calling out, wanting him to do something for him. You ever lived that life and been like, man, if you only knew what I was going through, you wouldn't be asking me something from, from me. You would want to give to me. I don't deserve this. I may be speaking to your heart today because I'm talking about from my heart, my personal experience. We're all in it together. This is from my story. This is what I love, Jesus. I want you to hear his tone here. I want you to get a clear picture of who Jesus is right here. As this blind man is screaming out to him and he's walking toward Jerusalem, facing the cross, knowing where he's headed, and all these people are cheering for him, loving him now, but knowing they will betray him later. He stops, he hears the voice, and he says, bring him to me. And they go to the guy and they're like, hey, Bartimaeus, like, actually wants you to come. He's like telling you to come to him. Bartimaeus says he throws off his jacket and he just starts his way toward Jesus. Listen to Jesus' tone. What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? Imagine what he's facing. What do you want me to do for you? I don't know if you've ever come to God and you feel like you're inconveniencing him. What do you want me to do for you? Have you ever pictured God asking you that question? What do you want me to do for you? I pray you hear it right now. What do you want me to do for you? Well, Jay, that's selfish. We can't, what, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus said it, I didn't say it. I'm just reading his words on mine. What do you want me to do for you? What's on your heart? What's on your mind? What can I do for you? Tell him what he can do for you. Tell him you can trust him. He's this kind, he's this good. He's looking death in the face and he's saying, what do you want me to do for you? Somebody that nobody cares about, nobody even wants around. He's like an unclean person. Like, what do you want me to do for you? Rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. Scripture says he touches his eyes and immediately he begins to see. Now, the book of Matthew actually says there was two blind men. But the wild thing is the book of Mark actually names the one blind man being Bartimaeus. But in the book of Luke, and I'm just like making this like totally from my own speculation, I'm, I don't know if there was two actually physical blind men, but I think, I think it's really odd that the scripture only names one and they name the specific one. But Matthew says there's two. Then Luke tells a different story and you might have heard this story. Jesus continues down the road, and it creates a great uproar, if you can imagine. This blind man gets his eyes touched, and all of a sudden he can see. A little man who's a tax collector hears about this. The uproar gets louder, and the little tax collector that everyone hates, named Zacchaeus, says, I gotta see this guy but he can't see over the crowd and you know the story. He runs down the road and I don't know if it's the highway that I just showed you, but I picture it kind of like that. Filled with people, Jesus is walking down. Little Zacchaeus sprints down the street, climbs up a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. We, many of us learned that song. 
Now listen, like Jesus is facing the cross. He's like looking ahead, death's in front of him. This is what's happening. This is like Jesus' voice to him. I want you to just get a clear picture of who God in the flesh really is. When Jesus came to the place, Luke 19, verse five, and when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry, come down. I must stay at your house today. Does anybody feel like they haven't known Jesus yet? Really? Yo, I'm facing the cross, but hey, little guy, I gotta get to your house today. He's wild. (laughs) She doesn't want to go, Dad. Don't make me go. That's what my kids do. You should hear Will, just bloody murder, screaming in there. I feel so bad. So sign up for kids, guys. You can help. You're great. <laughs> but look at what happens. Like, when we really encounter this Jesus, like, when we really see him face to face, this is what happens. Like, when you get a clear picture of who Jesus is, which Zacchaeus got. You see, before that, he got a lot of religion, of people who told him the rules he broke and told him what he should have been. And he got so down in the dumps, he said, forget it, I'm going all the way in and further. So he began to cheat his own people on their taxes and stealing from them. But Jesus, in this act of saying, I need to get to your house, if you go and stay with somebody, you're declaring friendship. So when Jesus looks at Zacchaeus, he's like, I gotta get to your house. He's like, hey, friend, So when Zacchaeus invites him into his home, it's like, oh, I've accepted you as my friend. When he gets a view of who Jesus really is, here's what happens to Zacchaeus. Because before Zacchaeus makes a change in his life, Jesus offers friendship to him. Some of us feel like we gotta get it all together before Jesus reaches out a hand to us. That's absolutely untrue. Jesus has a hand reached to you today. He's not asking you to get it together. He's asking you to walk with him. He'll walk you everywhere you need to go. He's that kind of good. This is what happens when you really meet Jesus. I mean, when you see him face to face. When his peace like touches you, like when you, when you get that, I don't know, the experience of him is like something deep, like love touches your heart and it feels like oil that hits you and like runs all over your body. Like it's, it like warms your soul like chicken noodle soup in the winter, you know what I mean? Jesus said, no, no, before this, Zacchaeus, the, the scripture says Zacchaeus stands up in his house and he says, Lord, he calls him master. Today, listen, like, I listened to him say this, he's like, if, if I defrauded, like, anybody on their taxes, like, if I had done it, I think, I think he's like, hey, if I have done that at all, he says, I'm not just going to, like, pay them back. I'm going to give them four times what I took from them. That means I'm not just going to meet the payment. I'm actually going to exceed it, and I'm going to become a blessing in their life. I'm not taking from their life anymore. I'm going to bless their life anymore. Uh, more. Listen, I'm not here to take from their life anymore. I'm here to bless their life now. 
When you meet Jesus, he transforms our life to need nothing from anybody else. And I now want to give life to you because Jesus brings life in such a way that you can't hold back the floodgates of life. And if you don't experience it, he wants to give that to you today. Like as a gift. And some of us think that we've got to clean our life up in order to get that. No, Jesus has his hand out to you. The way life floods in and out is when we grab the hand of Jesus, like if we let him come in to our home, we open the door to him. He says, if we open the door as he knocks on our heart, and I know in this room today, maybe he's been knocking on your heart for a really long time. And like even right now, he's like calling you to himself, like really gently and kindly. You're beginning to see like the true picture of who Jesus is and how he has a hand reached out to you. He's knocking on your heart. The scripture says, if you just open the door of your heart and you say, yeah, you can, you can come in, to my life, if you open that door, it says he wants to come in and he wants to share a meal with you, like actually fill your soul. And many of us are looking for places and spaces to fill our soul, trying to get it from somebody. And Jesus is wanting to give it to you so you have life to give to somebody. And then Jesus said in Luke 19, and Jesus said to him, as soon as he said this, hey, today salvation has come to this house since, also, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came, listen, he came. Jesus said, I came to seek and save the lost. I came for the Zacchaeuses. Do you feel like you're lost today? Jesus came for you. He's got a hand out to you. If you know you can't see today, you start yelling his name. He's going to meet you right where you are. Where's Bob? But here's what happened. As he neared Jerusalem in Luke chapter 19, he leaves Zacchaeus. He tells them, hey, go get that donkey. They bring him the donkey to fulfill the prophecy. And Luke 19 says, and as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. And as he was drawing near, already on the way down to the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. They were so impressed with the works, they just couldn't quite see the person saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said, teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very, very stones would cry out. And when, listen, and listen to this. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, would that you, even you, listen, listen, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. But now they're hidden from your eyes. And I think he says, as we pass by and he passes by and he's passed by for years and he's come very close to you, I believe he looks over many of us and he still weeps to this day saying, if you only knew the peace that was being offered to you. If you only knew peace that was offered to you. Oh, that you would stop settling for a 
for a relationship you think is gonna be peaceful. Oh, that you would stop settling for what the commercials say you should buy that's gonna be the next peaceful moment in your life. Oh, that you would stop settling. Oh, that you wouldn't settle today. Oh, the peace that I wanna give to you is a soul level peace. And I pray that he begins to break our hearts and we begin to experience peace at the deepest level that it causes us to weep over those who don't experience peace because we experience the peace of God at such a deep level. I, I want it for the, for the church so bad. I pray, Lord, that we call out to you and we desire the peace that comes from you and not just desire it, but we begin to experience it. As we experience the peace from you, I pray that it breaks our hearts for our friends and our family who have no peace. And yet we would rather take from them instead of give to them. Because this world, we desire to hold on to and we refuse to let go of. I pray on this day, here in this room, we see the tears of Jesus and we let go of the world that so many of us long to keep. Because I want to tell you the truth. You can't keep this place. You can't keep this place. Stop fighting for it. Jesus never fought to keep the world, which is why he's willing to leave. Willingly because he loves you and he loves me, but he knows where he's headed. Eternity is the place that I live for. I don't live for this place. Is anybody tired of the rat race in this place? I'm sick of it. Let it go. You'll never find peace here. Jesus wants to bring you peace today. He wants to meet you right where you are. And he's offering you peace. A peace that passes understanding. A peace that has an invitation. And if you will let go of this world, then you can grab hold of him. If you grab hold of him, he will bring heaven to you. I'm gonna ask the prayer team to come. I mean, the, the worship team to come. We're gonna sing a final song. And as we sing this song, we're gonna sing uh, King of Kings today. What's he, what has he said to you though today? Here's my invitation for us. Now think back on the worst season of your life. Did you walk it like that? I didn't. I really didn't. And listen, listen, listen. If this is a picture of what perfect faith life walk looks like, I'm, I'm the worst. I don't know about y'all, but I just go ahead and admit it. Like, I got no shame in it. Like, didn't come close. <laughs> didn't come close. I don't look like Jesus. Here's the beauty. He stretches his hand out to those who see it. Do you see you need him? That's the whole point. You didn't do it perfect. Jesus died the death we deserve to die 
so that we could live the life we were never able to live. The grace and forgiveness that Jesus offered at the cross is for you and me. But I pray that it becomes more precious as we see the life that is far off of Jesus that we have not lived. I have not lived. I pray it doesn't lead you to shame because exactly what Kelly said is absolute truth. All those things that you see as your missing of the mark were put to death at the cross and the perfect life, the perfect faith walk of Jesus that he walks is imparted to you upon faith in Christ and Christ alone. My righteousness is faith in Christ alone. In Christ's faithful walk, I trust. To die for me and to offer to me perfect life, I could not do it. And if you see you cannot do it, trust Jesus to give you perfect life. And he says he promises he would forgive you. He's faithful and just to forgive. Finish, clean slate. Do you want a clean slate, a perfect record? Come to Jesus, he wants to give it to you. Reach your hand out, climb the tree, whatever it takes, holler out. <laughs> Do you need to see? Jesus, have mercy on me. I see I don't walk perfect. Walk for me. And he did walk for you. He carried the cross for you. He tied the death you deserve to die. And offers you a life that we could never earn. So, receive the forgiveness of Jesus for the first time. Receive brand new life. He's offering you peace. Tell him, Jesus, have mercy on me. Save me. I see my sin. I see my mistakes. Give to me forever life, your life. I want to follow you. I let go of this world and I open my hand to you. Surrender's the key there. That prayer is just a way to help you connect to him. He's gonna take you on a journey of belief. Second, my invitation is that we appreciate who our king is. If he has brought his peace to your heart, then I pray that this is a moment where we get to acknowledge the king of all kings who did it unlike any other, humble and lowly, riding on a donkey. Not to lord and dominate over the world, but to give his life as a sacrifice and ransom for many. Father, King Jesus, I just tell you thank you. Thanks for giving us reason to celebrate. Thanks for giving us hope today. And thank you for your peace. Thank you for your peace. I pray in Jesus' name.